Welcome to Bitstorm, a comedy game design podcast by two guys who knew nothing about comedy nor game design. I'm Ben Slinger, and back this week is Trevor Scott. Yes, I am. Ha <laughs> Missed you last week, buddy. I wasn't well. And I I loved editing the um, the episode <laughs> with you and Stefan. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. Uh if you missed it, go back and listen to last week's episode. I've got to say, it was so much fun editing something I hadn't actually listened to before, because it was like I had to really listen closely to see where to where to add the little bit of space and, and cut it down a bit. And so it took a little bit longer than usual, but no, it was good fun. Yeah, but we're back on our old our old job now. Yeah, our old, our old hustle. <laughs> So let's do it. Trev, what are we playing? We're playing Ramped Up Click Pitch, where we each have an adjective and a noun. We throw them at each other. We come up with a game design. Then when we get bored of them, we throw them away and do, an- do another set of words. Yeah. All right. Well, let's jump into it. Three, two, one, click. Compact nil. Sentient rag. <laughs> <laughs> we used to have a reputation for like anthropomorphic things. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I Sammy know still I- says that we do, but yeah, I, don't know. I feel like we've moved away from that a bit. But so a sentient rag, <laughs> <laughs> so a sentient rag with with you know arms and legs. No, I wonder if this is it about makeup, something to do with makeup. Because compact, I was thinking, okay, like a, like a compact. And then, I don't know, I guess you wouldn't call it a rag that you'd use to, like, remove makeup. It's my makeup rag. Maybe this is about something sentient that uses makeup to, like, blend in or something or hide. Yeah, I know. I, I was sort of... When, when I heard sentient rag, I was sort of going along the lines of that's going to be your... Not your character, but it's going to be your companion throughout this game. And it could just be an adventure game where you've got a companion who's sort of... It's the third iteration of the new Legacy Larry series. And it's your sentient rag. <laughs> yes, a sentient <laughs> rag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's rag time, baby. Um, I mean, where I'm sort of seeing this is that, like, the sentient rag is actually an alien from a race of rag, like, rag aliens. You know, they're they're basically, they look like they're- They just um, look like crumpled up pieces of cloth? Yes. But in reality, you know, they normally um, have, like, an exoskeleton that they've sort of- have grafted themselves onto and they're like the only thing they've got is is like you know the the brain waves that they can sort of control these things with so oh, okay i don't think they can actually move around anywhere they're just kind of like a mind on a rag <laughs> all right so is this maybe a bit more of like a a mario odyssey style platformer where your rag companion can like control things so it's not controlling. It's not necessarily con- controlling other living beings like in in Mario. But you said sort of like it can. It's got the exoskeleton that it control or whatever. Maybe it can like hook into machinery or hook into different things, uh, and use those to to get around and, and make changes to stuff. Yep. So an action action adventure um, mm. with a little bit more emphasis on the adventure part. Mm-hmm. Um, where the puzzles that you're sort of solving are, you know, throw the rag onto that um, onto that forklift over there and move move this out, move this thing out of the way. Okay, now pick up the rag again, and you can continue moving, sort of thing. Yeah, it's essentially uh, Watchdogs, but uh, instead of a cool phone connecting to a citywide OS, you're throwing rags at things. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Um, I wouldn't go that far, but let's go through to one <laughs> Futile forest. Self-military. Ooh. I 
kind. So I kind of like the idea of a, and we don't do a lot of these, but uh, an RTS. Yeah, I know you'd make make that face. I just, I had a vision of like human military versus a like magical forest, like a creature of magical forests sort of beings. And it's like- Okay, so in the RTS space, can- can this be more along the lines of, you know, so you have Warcraft 3 where you've got, like, the big hero that's sort of at the front that- Sure. Because I'm just picturing this hero with his massive axe going up against these, like, like these trees and stuff, and he's cutting them down. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, it do- okay, it doesn't have to be an RTS. Uh, my main image was of an army of, like, tanks and and military people- Coming up against, like, coming to the edge of a forest and rushing out of the forest are, like, magical contraptions with friggin', like, elves on them and, you know, birds dropping, I don't know, acid balloons or something. <laughs> or, like, birds spores. dropping Mush- acid. Just mush- having a good trip. Spores. <laughs> yeah, the, the birds are just watching it and just tripping balls, but. Um- no, because what, what, what I love is that is that first peon that you ever use, you know, they're sort of, you know, they're cutting down the tree kind of thing. They go to take wood back, and when they come back, like, the tree's regrown, and they're sort of like, <laughs> this is a bit unusual, and they cut it down again, and the tree's regrown, and then, you know, that's actually sort of your hero, that he becomes buff from cutting down this one tree so many <laughs> times that... I mean, so I was going, I was going like modern military because I just like the juxtaposition of like our modern military hardware against, you know, this magical forest that they find somewhere. Yeah, but I also like the idea of the of the Warcraft three hero thing of you know you get to. Well, but you can have a you can still have a hero. I just like him with a big axe because trees are afraid of axes. Fine. <laughs> All right, then this is the game then, because the other thing I liked about your idea just then was I I do like the idea of literally the first peon you start off with that everyone would think is just completely expendable is the main character the, like, of the game. Pro- the protagonist of the whole game and ends up being there for the whole time and, yes, becoming this, yeah. this hero. Yeah, because he's sort of like um, the huntsman. I, I, I can sort of see as you're going through this forest- you know, and, and bringing along the army, you know, you come across like a little girl in a red hood and that sort of stuff. And it's sort of like, okay, you know, is there going to be a wolf around? And, you know, you can sort of go into those sort of things. But the idea of the huntsman being- So it's a fairy tale forest now? Magical forest that just happens to like feed off the off the psyche of, of like, <laughs> of, of this guy. Um, okay. I feel like we're mixing a lot of worlds here, but all right. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> until I can't, until I can't track it, and I don't know what the fuck's going on. That's your problem. <laughs> well, it's also our listeners' problem. <laughs> no, okay. You're following along with me, aren't you, listeners? Shut up, Dara. Ben's lost it tonight. Um, I'm just trying to make something cogent. That we can actually turn into a game. Uh, so, what's the game? Is it still an RTS, or are we, or do we like pivot it on them? So it starts with these RTS mechanics, but like we don't give them the opportunity to make more peons, or we do, but they like look different then, and and then it shifts. They're into- mechanical peons from now on. I, I'm I'm picturing sort of like. Um, you know, you were talking about modern military, so I'm kind of picturing the peons are kind of like Edge of Tomorrow-esque exoskeletons and stuff where they're able to lift up. Okay. All right. Here's where I'm at. Here's where I'm at then. All right. It has RTS elements. It starts off, literally, there's just like this guy in a forest. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't look very strong. He doesn't look like very dangerous. Mm-hmm. But you use the you use RTS mechanics. You cut down trees; they do grow back very quickly. Yep. You start building up things, and you build your workshop, and then you start pumping out these mechanical creatures to to continue your RTS going. So there's almost a bit yep. more of 
and uh, not we don't. I don't think we do the automation stuff, but like it no. feels a bit um, Factorio like with just these mechanical things doing the doing the work for you. But it's it's the uh, it's more the RTS mechanics of just like here's a section of trees to cut down, like send them all there to cut them down or whatever. Yeah. But then because you're cutting, because you're essentially just like slowly destroying more and more of this forest. Because once you get enough of them, you start being able to cut down the trees faster than they can grow back. Yeah. And pushing back the front line of that forest, essentially. Now the forest is pissed off. Because before you were like a little pinprick in the side of this forest that just healed immediately. Yep. Now you're like a gaping wound. And it needs to do something about mm-hmm. it. So that's when it starts sending its, like, its, its people after you. Yeah. Now, by people, you mean all sorts of magical fairy folk with yes. machine guns. <laughs> sure. Basically, they're, they're turning they're turning the technology against you. We switched so we switched that around. We this guy's like found that he can cut down the wood from this magical forest to build automaton machines out of wood, uh, <laughs> out of wood, uh, and and sort of all these like these fantasy style machines. Uh, and then out of the out of the forest comes like fucking yeah elves with machine guns and <laughs> bazookas because they've learned from you know modern modern man. Yep. Um, and so we switch that around on the player, and it's futile because the forest is always going to win. Whoever wins, we lose because the forest wins. <laughs> uh, are you saying well? I mean, we're gonna we we're, we're using the 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 peon guy is using the the forest magic against them then though, right? Like he's yeah. shifted it into into forms that he can control, and and is destroying more and more of the forest. So I think that I think he's got a chance. I think he's got a chance. Yeah, it's very futile. <laughs> it's a futile chance. <laughs> I mean, you got to make you got to make a balance. Let's click again. Yeah. I'm going to let you go first, and then I'm going to go next, and you can you can easily veto it. Do you have something specific? It's the worst that came up, but I'm letting you know that you're probably going to say no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Projecting commission. Lesbian famine. <laughs> um, look, I think I think. I don't think we take that as the phrase. I don't think we want to put a lesbian famine in our game. No. But there's nothing wrong with having a lesbian in our game. It's just this is just driving the character. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's fine. Uh, famine and projecting commission. I, I get the feeling of like a um, Doctors Without Borders sort of sort of feeling. Yes, but in the Star Wars universe. Okay. Mm. Which I just- Because I saw projecting and it just made me think of, like, their shitty video calls, which are somehow way worse quality than what we have right now. Although, I guess, technically, often they're sending light years across the galaxy. They're sending light years across the galaxy and they're 3D. Like, we can't do 3D. We can't do holograms. I want to see a hologram. You show me today's holograms and tell me that it looks better than what, what their stuff does. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I'll give him. I'll give him that. I'll give him okay. that. Okay. Yep. Doctors Without Borders in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, I think it's a, like exploring a humanitarian mission. So, who's our character? She, I guess, she's a, a doctor, and is she helping like then refugees from the war? Essentially. Yeah, I, I think I think that's actually a really cool idea. We don't we don't really see. You know, uh, a you don't see the aftermath particularly. Well, I mean, uh, not, in a, not on that level, not on that scale. I'm you almost see seeing like, you know how quite often in war, the med- the medical profession aren't against either side. Basically, if they if they hmm. see sick and wounded, they're gonna, you know, they got that thing of do no harm sort of thing. I'm picturing yeah. that this is like an imperial um, imperial doctor. Who okay. just so happens to have got herself stranded on on like a mm. on on like a planet? So it's a whole Doctors Without Borders thing. Like she doesn't 
she doesn't care, you know, what side of the war you're on. You come into her into her tent, and she's gonna she's gonna help fix you. I do like that. I do like the idea of an imperial medic stranded amongst yeah on on a planet where there there is a lot of the resistance there. Right, there's a lot of the rebellion, and so she's very much mistrusted to begin with. Mm-hmm. And perhaps even like captured at one point or whatever and interrogated, but then, the, you know, the town that she's been helping, and these are people who are not involved, you know, with the war other than the fact that they're affected by it, uh, you know, stand up for her because she's been like, she's been helping everyone. Okay. Uh, I've just gone to like a fantasy name generator for Star Wars. And sure. I see her name as Wintra. So, W-I-N-T-R-A. Gotcha. Gantia. G-A-N-T-I-A. T-I-A, yep. Winter Gantia. Sure. You know, it feels kind of Star Warsy. What What planet- Is she uh, from originally? Is she- Or is she stranded on? Or do we not- I don't actually know enough, particularly- I mean- I, I kind of like the idea of, of her maybe being stranded on Kashyyyk or something like that, which is the Wookiee planet. I was thinking Kashyyyk, maybe. There's something about the forest and, and like, having wounded Wookiees well, a, coming in. A lot of the- were a lot of the Wookiees killed? Like, was there, like, a genocide or something? I don't actually know this. Neither do I. Um, they were enslaved for a while, I think. I, I'm just looking through- the Wikipedia page no. for Wookie, not the Wikipedia page for Wookie, because that would have probably too much information. Kashi was put under a blockade. Ba, 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 the Imperator, yeah. So Kashik was essentially under control of the Empire. Yeah, but obviously, like, you know, I think the majority of the Kashik were. Uh, I mean, the Wookies basically fought for. The rebellion. Independence and all that sort of stuff, yeah. Yeah. But I know, I, I just, I like the idea of, you know, this is just after, um, just after the Emperor has died, you know, it's before the New Order and all this sort of stuff. And it's sort of like, mm. she's, she's just using her, her medical training from, you know, Coruscant. And she's just doing the best that she can out there with the little resources that she has. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Um, how do we... How do we structure this game then? Um, I suppose the question is, do we want it to be first person or do we want it to be third person? Feels third person. Um, I mean, really, to me, it feels VR. But anyway, <laughs> really, mm. no. I feel like I feel like for the characterization of Wintra, I'd, I'd like to see her in third person. Like I like to see the way she looks and moves and like yep. interacts with people. I mean, do we go full on? So I'm getting a, I'm getting kind of a Red Dead Redemption vibe in a way of just like, there are these towns, you can travel between them. Like there's different storylines, mm-hmm. you know, maybe depending on where you're at in the story or how you've, you know, the sorts of missions you've done. Like some of the towns are hostile to you. Some of them are welcoming, some of them are neutral. Ooh, I kind of like the idea of, you know, you going through a town and they, they, um, a, a young boy sort of comes up and goes, "Oh, Miss, Miss, you got to come with me. My my sister and I were going through the um, going through the old Imperial outpost, and she got she got stuck underneath some floors. So you can sort of go through like this old Imperial outpost where you can maybe see some old um, ATSTs and all this sort of stuff. And sorry, that I like that a lot. Except I think it'd go a little bit more like this." And she's like, what? What's that boy? She's stuck in a well. What's going on? I can't do fucking- uh, I'm not picturing that everyone's a Wookiee (laughs) on this planet. I think that there's some, like, refugees and stuff. (laughs) But I just couldn't get past that thought uh, of uh, trying to communicate that his sister is What's that, Timmy? (laughs) Um- no, I like that. Yeah. Uh, I really, actually, I really, now I'm thinking of it like the idea of a, an open world Star Wars game like that, um, where it's just this one area of the planet 
Uh, and I mean, I know Star Wars essentially treats every planet just like a city, but uh, <laughs> every it, it planet really- has one feature and one feature only. You yeah, know every that. Planet- there's one, there's one type of climate on the entire planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can you can travel, you know, you can walk to anywhere else on the planet, no matter where you crash land. Because there is no water, because it is all just... It's a forest <laughs> world, so therefore you're in a forest. Yeah. Um, it's no, a forest moon but- of Endor. It's a desert desert planet of tattooing. <laughs> yeah. It's a city planet of Coruscant. Even the fucking city is a, is a city planet. Uh, no, but I, I do like that idea of that kind of open-worldy game with Star Wars. And, like, riding, you know, speeder bikes around and- I'm just picturing that on her, on her arm she's got, like, the Imperial patch sort of thing. And, you know, she doesn't want to cover it up, but she also- that's something that people can can comment on and the fact that, you know, you're filthy Imperial scum and all this sort of stuff. And then, you know, other people are going rebel scum and... Well, I think then the journey of it is, is her coming around and hearing the other side of the war, right? Like, she's been raised on Imperial propaganda and within that society, like, she thinks they're doing the right thing. She thinks the war is just until she's stranded on this planet, is dealing with with the aftermath, maybe falls in love with someone, you know, if we if we bring that sort of side into it. And I like this idea of that being reflected as well in the way she dresses and stuff. So like initially, yeah, she's wearing a uniform. Like she sticks with her uniform. She's proud of her uniform. And she's like, screw everyone who's, like, spitting at me and whatever because they think I'm scum. Like, whatever, we're on the right side of this. I, I, I see, like, I know they probably don't have white lab coats in the Star Wars universe, but I just somehow <laughs> see, like, this- It's a black lab coat. <laughs> but I kind of see this white lab coat with, like, you know, the black logo of, of you know, the Imperial mm. sort of thing. And maybe, just maybe- She's got a tattoo of I love Vader or something like that. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just a heart with with Vader across it uh, on a ribbon. It, it's a it's a black heart that sort of towards the bottom sort of starts to look a little a little a little bit like the helmet. A little bit like the helmet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, Vader's definitely like a teen idol you know, for people growing up in the Empire, right? Like, I think this woman's, you know, relatively young, uh, like in her 20s. <laughs> what would Vader do? <laughs> WWVD. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Maybe that's the name of the episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think like, Reflecting that in her uniform and, you know, as things happen and she gets into fights and, and gunfights and whatever, like, it starts getting more ripped and ragged anyway. Yeah. Um, and then, like, eventually she loses the patch and she has sort of a a, re- a moment of reckoning where it's like, oh, actually, like, that's fine. Like, I don't want to be represented by <laughs> or I don't want to represent the Empire anymore um, or identify as that. So, yeah, I, I think that could be really cool. Yeah, I, I somehow see that uh, kind of like your Batman Arkham Asylum, where there are certain parts of the game where the um, her costume gets ripped a little bit more, and from then on, you know, you it kind of it can track where you are in the game depending on on how much of the or what part of the costume. Yeah, is ripped essentially, sort of thing. yeah, like particular story missions or whatever that 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 propel. Yeah, but the I also like the idea of your costume. Of one of the things that kind of annoys me about some of the Skyrim stuff, um, when you go through it again and you go, oh, yeah, they've sort of, they've separated the main quest from the side quests. Hmm. What if they didn't do that? What if it was literally like you didn't know whether a quest was a main quest or a or a side quest and it was literally up to you to make that decision as to what was important to go down now? And that way, every quest kind of has that same that same It has a bit of, more meaning. has a bit more meaning of- this here could actually be progressing the whole story. Yeah. Whereas in a lot of those games, it's like, yep, you know that 
this is a main quest because you know it's actually a different color and you know it does pan- this it is does the same pander to- this is the same side quest that we did before <laughs> yeah i feel like it does pander to gamers a bit who are like they don't want to ever be able to miss anything in a game right so like and they want to be able to do all the side quests first and then do the main quest or like do the main quest, but then still be able to come back and do the side quests, which means you do have to separate them from the story. So, yeah, I'm fine with like, you don't know if this quest is going to shut off other quest lines that were there already. This is, this is your story. Like, yeah. as you're going through it, like, you killed that person. Well, guess what? They, you know. Yeah, like they had some side quests that you all like. That you that, missed. That you missed. And- were, you know, would have contributed something to the story and, you know, maybe yeah, opened up other stuff later or whatever. It's nothing but- important that, you know, is, is game-breaking at all. Like, sure, you can have those couple yeah, of characters of that you cannot kill I mean, sort of thing. I mean, essentially- But then again, essentially- you're, a, you're a doctor, your whole thing is you shall not kill sort of thing. Like, do yeah. no harm. Yeah, and, and I think essentially, you know, you still, from a technical level, have sort of main quests and side quests, but- having them less separated like it would essentially be like these three side quests like once you've gone past this quest in the main thing or if you made a certain decision on the main like in in a quest at some point you just can't do them play the game again to make different choices yeah you know the replayability and and i i would love for you to come across like a a um some hard decisions along the way of you know a jedi being tracked by you know, some bounty hunter or something like that, and having to make that that choice of, oh, look, there, there's someone who seems to be somewhat Force-sensitive, doesn't necessarily have a lightsaber and all this sort of stuff, because mm. only Luke Skywalker really had a lightsaber at this stage. But, you know, I kind of see that maybe there's a kid who's showing to be somewhat Force-sensitive because things are moving around him, but there's a bounty hunter who's literally coming to try and kill this kid. You know, do you have yeah, to I make that? I yeah, 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 for sure. Um, and yeah, I don't know enough about the timeline to know. And I mean, they kind of fucked it all up in the latest thing anyway, because Brian Johnson brought in the idea of there's all these force sensitive people out there. And then they sort of, I mean, they didn't entirely go back on it, but it was like, yeah, but it's still just like these two families. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I do like that. Um, and and I do like the idea of shying away from combat a lot, and it's it is more about you know, and, and it might be challenging to make this into um, really compelling gameplay. You need to come up with some good some good mechanics around it and some good hooks. But I'd know. I, I I'm picturing you know some really cool mini games of of you know having to stem the bleeding and you know cauterize the wound and you know splint the leg and. Well, I do like it being a bit more about support then as well like you may still be taking part in some battles but it's like oh you can drop like a shield thing here to protect you from gunfire long enough to to bring this person you know get this person out of the way or like prevent them from dying or yeah you know yeah do the little the the little healing stuff that you have to do so you can still use like a concussion grenade sort of thing you know you you basically or a flashbang yeah like a flashbang or something yeah yeah basically you you're not trying to do you're not trying to kill them. You're not really trying to help help your team necessarily kill other people, but you're, you're trying to basically make sure that they stay alive long enough. Well, I think that's where those interesting decisions will come in too, right? In that, in like, in some cases, there's no- Like, if you don't do- If you don't harm someone in some way, then more harm will happen, right? Yeah. Like, what is the- It's a trolley problem situation, essentially. Like, you know, what is the decision you make here- can you kill this one person to save all of Kashyyyk? No, you went You went against your do-no-harm order and therefore you game get- Game over. Mm. If you kill anyone in this game, it's game over because you violated your oath. That's the hardcore mode. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I really love that idea. I think that's it's got a lot of I mean, of, I just like- I, mean, to it. I think that's the thing with Star Wars. And I mean, they're doing more of it, but just like exploring the edges of it more- uh, is fun. And I mean, in any, in any world, really, but in any sort of big IP. Yeah. Cool. Right. Three, two, one, click. Jolly shoulder. 
complimentary sweating. Is this about Santa's tailor? <laughs> See, I, I saw Jolly and I was going pirate. Because uh, I had Jolly in shoulders, so I was thinking the parrot on the, the shoulder. Par- okay. And that then, does make a bit more sense. But then you, you brought in Santa and I'm like, ooh, Santa and pirates. Santa versus... The Sa- Santa who has to Santa deliver a present as a to pirate. all the pirates. <laughs> the Santa of the Seven Seas. Yeah. Okay. Whitebeard. Ooh. The yeah, yeah, I love that. Whitebeard the pirate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm imagining that he lost his left hand and it's just like he's got these metal claws I was gonna say it's gonna be a fucking candy cane it's got a hook for a hand <laughs> 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 oh, see uh, I can see both maybe you can switch it out like it's, yeah. it's a striped it's a striped hook or these metal claws and he's kind of like you know I, I'm seeing almost that this Santa is not a good guy. No, no, I don't think so. Looting and plundering and... Well, so is he, is he, is he pirating to, like, fund his gift-giving, like, Ooh, idea? steal from the rich and give to the poor sort of thing, except it's, like, with lots of looting and killing. Yeah, looting and killing and... He does want to give gifts to the kids, but maybe he just, like, hasn't fully thought thought it through. Yeah. Yeah. They don't really want all the blood-soaked rags that he seems to be leaving on the doorstep. Yeah, that's it. And, like, you know, occasionally he gets a, you know, finds some good booty, but it's not enough to give more than, you know, a few coins to every kid. He just can't ramp it up fast enough. Yeah. Okay. Is so, this, Is this about his discovery of, like, the elves? Somewhere. Ooh, there, there's like a hidden island somewhere that basically, you know, he finds like, kind of like um, in a Willy Wonka way of finding that that land of the Oompa Loompas, but finding a land of elves basically that they, yeah, in a yeah, in a non-colonizing way, hopefully. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think he finds he finds this this. Uh, this, colon- this, this group of elves and does recruit a number of them to come and help him. And they've got some sort of magic. They can. It's happened. Be- it's happened before the, before the, the game begins sort of thing. Oh, do you think so? Yeah. I kind of like the idea of exploring because I'm kind of now picturing that this is just Santa as a mortal pirate deciding that he's, he wants to do something for the children of the, lands see i was thinking that you're that you're a like fledgling pirate on a ship that is hunting down santa <laughs> you're not even playing santa no no I, I like the idea that he's like this fearsome white beard the pirate and you know you sprinkle in a little bit of a little bit of lore about him you know dropping stuff okay. off the kids and, you know, your prologue is sort of like you wake up on Christmas morning and there's like a bloody soaked rag and a coin like being left <sighs> at your doorstep sort of thing. And Whitebeard's been. All right. That's fine. I like I do like that. But he, he's this, yeah, like talked about pirate. But the, all the kids love him and everyone's got mixed feelings about him because he's, like, somehow managing to, to sneak these gifts in for their children. And no one's ever seen him. No one's ever seen him, but, the, but like, the pirates know. Are you, are you working on a pirate ship or on, like, a navy ship? Um, like, who's hunting them? Ooh, I kind of like the idea of you're, you're playing, like, a steward on, like, the East India Trading Company's sort of ship and you're you're sort of going around and this you know your your commodore or whatever is trying to trying to track down this white beard the pirate yeah because they keep getting reports of like they keep getting ships missing yeah 
Um, you know, they haven't been able to find anything out from the other pirates that they've interrogated, you know, the, the, other than that they all seem to be scared of them too. It's this scourge of the seas. I kind of like the idea that this Whitebeard the Pirate has been terrorising the, the Seven Seas for the last, like, 60, 70 years. So, so you know, you kind of you kind of start to think... Does you know how old is this is this pirate if he's been doing the same thing for the last sixty seventy years? Yeah, well, well, okay. Here's what I think happens. Then is yes, you're a steward on this ship. Your ship is attacked and destroyed by Whitebeard, and you're the sole survivor. Mm-hmm. And Whitebeard brings you on board, and you learn about the ship and it's running, and then becomes a very dread pirate Robert situation. Where essentially you take on the mantle of Whitebeard, and it's so it's also got shades of the Santa Claus. <laughs> I was hoping that you were going to take it there because <laughs> I was thinking that for the last twenty minutes, <laughs> or however long we've been doing this. Like as soon as it sort of started, I'm like, yeah, I want to take this in the Santa Claus direction. And then you brought up Dread Pirate Roberts, and I'm like, yep, you're going to get there. You're going to get there. Um, yeah, I love this idea because then you, you then you got that young sort of person who's looking looking out to sea, and you know, all they see is you know hope for the future. And you've got this like old Commodore that you know his whole thing is he just wants to wipe you know. White beard from the from the face of the planet, and yeah, he hates pirates overall, and he hates white beard in particular because you know he's the the pirate of pirates, and yeah. So so then there is your character does you know have some sympathy then, um, and can see some of the good that white beard is trying to do, and then is obviously just amazed and. And enthralled by this ship that's crewed by these magical elves. Yeah. Who also help to, you know, deliver these presents. So with the with these magical elves, are they the traditional elves as we know it, or is it more that they they just seem to have this mystical way about them, but they look somewhat normal? Uh there are a lot of ways we could go with this. I kind of like the idea of looking somewhat normal, but if you if you actually see their ears, they're kind of pointy. So they've got the. I mean, that's typical- a very cla- yeah, that's a very classic. But I was almost wanting to go in the other direction where they're almost like creatures, like vicious kind of little ugly creatures, <laughs> kind of like goblins uh, or something like that. Like yeah, almost a bit like. Um, have you watched the Christmas Chronicles? No. Okay, in that they're they're these little sort of little small creatures. Yep, they're they're not particularly vicious, although sometimes they can be. <laughs> I was thinking even further in that direction, almost going to like gremlins yep. style thing where these don't are get not- them wet. <laughs> don't get them wet. They're all out at sea. <laughs> There's a squall. Oh fuck! Yeah, <laughs> they're gonna multiply again. God damn it! No, yeah, I think almost almost that they are these this this type of creature that they don't even they don't speak, you know. They Santa can communicate with them, but nobody else can understand them. Uh, they sort of just chitter away, uh, like little demonic fucking chipmunks or something. Uh, but as you take on the Santa powers, you start to understand them. So what ha- what happens first? Does 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 your hand get damaged and it, like, when you wake up, you've just got, like, a candy cane sort of sticking starting out? Starting to grow. Like, oh, not starting <laughs> to grow. Like, they've- re- he, Oh, they've the, replaced The elves it. replaced your, your hand with a candy cane sort of thing. That might be your first- Yeah, like- Because th- I'm picturing what you can do with this candy cane is basically a zip line. Yeah. Because that's, that's what I want to I want to like see boarding, some- boarding other ships by, you know, zip lining across yeah. when they've- Find things over. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I like that. Oh, so you're saying that happens like like literally you wake up on the ship for the first time and you've lost a hand and it's yeah, been replaced I, with I, the I kind of game. like the idea that, you know, during the ensuing battle, you know, you maybe your, your arm was trapped under some burning, 
Yeah. Like the burning mast or something like that. And when you come to, you're, you're in Whitebeard's cabin sort of thing, like, and you've been tended to by these little gremlin things. And then, you know, you, um, your character, because I'm picturing it's in first person, looks down at your hand. Yeah, I was just about to say. Just got this. I was about to say, this, this very much feels like an, like a first person game now. It kind of gives me like the newer Wolfenstein game sort of vibe. Um, or in Bioshock, the a, like the... Um, yeah, Bioshock sort of thing, uh, where there's a lot of... Uh, you've got that immersive sense of the animations of your character and stuff. There's something about a, shwa- a swashbuckling pirate adventure to do with Santa. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't think it's been done before. I'm not, I'm not going to Google it, but... No, but they kind of mesh together quite well, like... yeah. I, I, I do love that idea then of, and uh, we're repeating ourselves a little bit, but just to sort of really get it in order. You've got that, f- the, the, the opening thing, you're on the ship, you get some exposition around like we're hunting Whitebeard. You don't go too heavy on the Santa law at that point. When Whitebeard attacks. And Whitebeard you- attacks, you, you sort of just see shapes in these foggy, like it's, it's dark, it's foggy. You see shapes happening. You know, you can do stuff. You can man the cannons. You can whatever. Like, you're helping out. But, yes, at some point, there's essentially a scripted sequence where, you know, they they come over and you are you get trapped under here and you're seeing- You're trapped and you're seeing people die around you in, in un, you know, ways that you're not sure how it's happening. Yeah. And then you pass out. And then, yes, you wake up and you're in the bowels of a ship. Okay. Before you- Before you wake up, I think okay. that's when you- That's when you have, like, a memory back to when you were a kid- and you're waking up on Christmas morning. Okay. And you can sort of show then, like, you going to the front door and you open it up and you see this coin wrapped in this, like, rag and all this sort of stuff. And all the kids around are all opening yeah. the door and finding the, these coins. And, you know, it's sort of like a happy thing. And your parents are, are sort of like, put that down. And, you know, you can sort of see that there's this whole animosity to towards, like, this gift yep. that's being given. And I uh, know it just... You get to get you get the feeling of what happens on Christmas morning. Yeah, I do. I do like that, and I mean, I think you don't even specifically call it Christmas. No. It's, it's some to. some other holiday. You've you know you've come up with some sort of come up with some sort of pirate thing, or like not pirate necessarily, but like you know, <laughs> cracking day of the, of the time. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's the day we do all our, all our cracking. It's cracking day. Oh, do you mean like the cracking of the? Okay. Um, no, it's just Kraken Day. It's where they crack all their walnuts that they've bought and have a feast. But now on Kraken Day, they wake up. Okay. Does does Santa actually have control over the Kraken? That's my question. Uh, not until you came along. Ooh. <laughs> Maybe it's a power, like, late in the game that you, you actually- have you know you've got even more Santa magic in you than the previous white beard had? Yep. And yes, you discover you can summon the Kraken, and it's a huge Christmas cracker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we'll leave it on that. That's I really like. That is a really fun little mashup there, though. Uh, three time click. Mm-hmm. Suggested lift. Hip monitoring. Okay. I, I kind of see this as like a 1990s sort of like technology oh, in, in the yep. fact that you've you've got, you know, your beeper or something like that or, you, or your monitor just on your hip sort of thing. When I say monitor, it's like it's monitoring like your vital signs or something like that. I see. Because yeah. I, I see that maybe maybe you've... You've had some problems in the past and now, you know, you need to keep an eye on your on your health. And you've just got, like, this huge, like... It's like brick that you're 1990s brick, like, LCD display, you know, the seven-segment display sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's something about that that just, you know, I, I love uh, that idea. I like the 90s vibe. Um and we do that a bit being children of the 90s, but I think it's uh, 
Look, there's not enough 90s nostalgia media no, there out there. Not, so. not nowadays. I mean, you know, it's 30 years ago, the, Jesus Christ. Given, given all these things that have been going around lately that I've seen where it's like, if Austin Powers was made today, it'd be 1991 or whatever. We need more. We need more stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, that's... Jesus Christ. What, why did you have to put that in my mind that, like... <laughs> Oh, fuck. It really would be. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, then look, we've already passed the future of Back to the Future, like, six years ago, so we're we're, we're getting beyond. Hell, even fucking Judgment Day was, yeah. like, 25 years ago. Wasn't it, wasn't it supposed to be 1996 or something? Or 1997, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, look, when it comes to that, uh, we're well truly into the age of where we need some 90s nostalgia. So, I mean, is this then a 90s kid coming to the future story? Ooh. Ooh, yeah. Got um, got accidentally frozen in time? Well, or something about, like, I do like his little hip monitor thing with the LCD display. So, like, maybe that's something to do with this time machine. Yeah. Or, like, what, however he got there. Okay. What were your words again? Suggested lift. Okay. Yeah, I, I can I can sort of see that, you know, they've, they've accidentally been taken through time. Yeah. To the, you know, 21st century, 2021. Whole world's the in world's, pandemic. The world's in the midst of a horrible pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> and... And he's got, like, this LCD display monitor on his hip that is... I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm sort of wondering, you know, is it just a kid out of time and therefore, you know, sort of looking at the world in wonder? Or is this kid on a mission sort of thing and, like... I wonder if this is a bit more of, like, a... He can only... He, he only arrives in the future for, like, short periods of time. And so the monitor is that's like a countdown. It's like how much oh, okay. time this kid has left until uh, his like time bubble so runs out. You're not playing the kid. You're playing someone else. I feel like you're playing someone else. Yeah. And you keep uh, on seeing this kid turn up at, at these kind of like a, a watcher from from Fringe or whatever it was, uh, where that guy kept on turning up at every single scene. Mm. I kind of see that you see this kid looking at the at the seven segment display and realizing that he's only got a certain amount of time left before he needs to head well, off. Well yeah, and he's wearing these weird clothes. It's all backwards. Like all these backwards yeah, he's wearing, he's wearing his pants on backwards, his hat on backwards. He's got big like baggy shirt on with fucking hypercolor. Oh fuck yeah, it's hypercolor. All the way. Yeah. Oh, I'm just I'm just imagining that you you reach out to grab and you grab hold, but he gets away. And just as you as you see him sort of getting away, you see that handprint <laughs> on the back, <laughs> handprint on his hypercolor. <laughs> There's something so, about hypercolor. What? Who thought that was a great idea? When, as an adult, all you saw was the bright coloured sweat stains. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, I think you do have a couple of scenes then where your character spots them and, and you know, nearly nearly gets hold of them. And then finally you, like, manage to talk to this kid and you, you obviously get a sense of of what what's going on. Yeah. Why, why are they here? Are they trying to find something to bring, like, find information to bring back about the future for some reason? I, are they just, I think- like, joyriding? I think what's actually happened is- they're actually from, like, another branch of time. Like, um, I I think that kind of what's happened is uh, they're looking for the solution to, to a major problem. Mm-hmm. And if they don't get this to happen, basically, our future is in trouble. Okay. Yeah, you just... Are you... Is this because... Is it sort of that reverse... Um, I don't know what the term for it is, but like they're talking to you about something that you know didn't happen, yeah. right? And so you know you need to help them. Um, 
When was the Cuban Missile Crisis? Oh, no, that was way back in... Yeah, in the 80s. <laughs> no, it was the 60s. Oh, was it? Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Cold War. I guess the... Yeah, I guess I'm just thinking about the Cold War, which is... Yeah, was, of course the Cuban Missile Crisis was in the 60s. It was all around yeah. bloody John F. Kennedy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I see what... I know what you're talking I'm about. I'm trying to think of what's happening in, yeah, like, in the 90s. I guess that was the start of, like, the Gulf War and stuff. Yeah. Saddam Hussein. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what they, what they could have been that was, like, narrowly divert, like, uh, averted in our actual timeline mm-hmm. that's happening back then. And, and the reason it was averted is because of whatever the events of this game, essentially. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, we can just make something up. But. Yeah, I, I like the idea of you, you meet this kid out of time. So, basically- he knows a lot more than you do the first time that he that you sort of meet up with him, and then a later time that you meet up with him, he doesn't know what you're talking about. And oh, you say oh, uh, okay? You're saying that he's doing it at, like it's literally out. Of, you're not seeing him in the same order. In the same order, no. So like a time traveler's wife situation. Yeah, and you see him at random random positions, and the whole idea is that basically he's trying to get the get the right information. Um, mm-hmm. He's not actually. A kid as such, it's like... Well, I mean, if you're really doing the sort of seeing him at different... Come into different times, then you can really jump around. And now this is reminding me of the TV show Dark, which is wild. Um, I have sort of stuff. It. I need to see it's it. <laughs> really good. Uh, I don't think we've watched the last season, but... But, yeah I, yeah, I like the idea that, like, you see them briefly... For a period very early on where they're like 63 years old <laughs> and they know all this stuff, but they don't actually get a chance to tell it to you properly. Yeah, they're actually from the, the future from where you are now. Like, Yeah, yeah, exactly. But- Okay, so yes. why is this kid the one going through time? Is it that like his his parents have actually created this, this technology? Oh, he did. And it's- um, it's one of these things that he can't actually control. Mm, I do like that idea that he can't control it. He was in some sort of, you know, accident at the lab, um, which, you know, bombarded him with chronic radiation and, um, you know, it's, it's throws him through time and they put this device on him because they can, they can measure the radiation or something to know when it's going to, when the next jump is going to happen. Yeah, essentially. But he never knows where he's going to end up. Yeah. It's just somewhere, it's always somewhere in the future um, within, you know, X, maybe it's like he knows it's within his lifetime or something. Yeah. Uh, which I think was, again, with the time traveler's wife sort of situation. That, yeah, it, it, it seems to so just So, how jump. old is your character in 2021? The character you're playing? Yeah. 40s? Um, yeah. There aren't enough, like- Middle-aged protagonists. Yeah, because what I'm thinking is maybe this kid, when you go back into your, like, you go back home and you look through your- Oh, you knew them or something. That was the kid that disappeared down the block from you when you were a kid. And you you were playing with them in the street and all this sort of stuff, and then they disappeared one day. And you, you just seem to remember that, like- it's something about the backwards cap or something like that or the specific hyper-coloured T-shirt. And then- Or, oh, I mean, you know, he could just have some other sort of- Yeah, some other sort of trait. Features, yeah. yeah. But um, I kind of like then that your whole thing is to try and get them back in time and get them back to their normal their normal time, which actually sets in sets in stone, like, some other things to, to happen. Because you, you maybe remember- Is that wiping out your own timeline then? Or at least no, 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 I kind of like the idea of you remember that this kid, like, disappeared for eight years. So, you oh, know okay. he gets back in time somehow. Right. But then, so, where's the where's the version of him that is travelling normally through the time stream? Well, for eight do you years- have to track, Do you have to track them down? Maybe they disappear like- again after, after a certain amount of time. Like, they turn up again every eight years. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's that's interesting. Well, except the <laughs> I know. I'm just. I know. I know. I know. I know. I just. This is the problem with fucking time travel games. Um, 
I'm trying to, I'm just having I'm trying to get it, my like... head around it. <laughs> anyway, we don't have to figure out all the all the details of it. Um, but you know, I, I like that idea of of essentially helping helping this person at different points. They turn up at different points, and, uh, and I think I, it's- I think it's like an adventure game where basically you're you're trying to get them, you know, out of the, out of the bind that they've got themselves caught in this time. And yeah, and you can have some fun things where, like, you know, within the one scene, you're dealing with like two different versions of the same guy from different times or something. And like, <laughs> you know, you've been talked talk to one over over the radio, and then you're talking to another one there, and they're like, you know, one's like a middle aged version, one's one's like the the younger well, it's version. Like the scene it's kind of like the scene in Back to the Future Two. Where like Marty is talking to Doc over the radio and sneaking back into the high school, where his his younger self is. Um, yeah, but yeah, so you've got like the future version of this of this guy talking to you as you try to you know and telling you things he remembers happened or something that you need to make happen or <laughs> whatever. So uh, what I, what I like or what could end up happening is. When you were a kid and you were over at this guy's place, you accidentally broke the window of his dad's, like, garage or something like that. You snuck in there and you stole something that basically- that basically caused- when they they did their next experiment, caused it to explode, caused this kid go through all this time stuff. And it's just because you- um, you happen to, you know, not want to get caught, so you you sort of stole some of the evidence. Well, or, or, or I was even thinking, like, you know, you're playing baseball with this kid or whatever, and it sort of cracks the, the like, secure glass that yep. was part of the, the lab equipment or something, and so that when the next time they did their experiment, like, the glass broke and the radiation, you know, flooded out and hit the kid. Instead the of going forwards to the apple, it went backwards, you know, through through the kid's window, and he he got sent through time instead of the apple. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, that's cool. All right, I can. We got time for one more. Okay. Uh, do we want to do a what three words or? I'm um, sure. Let's mix it up for the last one. What three words, Trevor? Watered, reaped, shrewdly. Okay. I mean, reaped. I'm immediately seeing a grim reaper sort of grim reaper thing. But yeah, watered. I'm I'm sort of seeing. I don't know a a decrepit sort of waterlogged grim reaper rising from the depths. Or is this the grim reaper's garden? <laughs> you have to shrewdly water things. <laughs> How does the Grim Reaper garden? Does he tr- attempt to kill things so he can have like their souls <laughs> in his garden? Oh, oh, n- now, now I'm just now I'm just picturing this this garden which has been like there's so many people dying. There is basically the um the world wasn't supposed to have this many people, and he's mm. just trying to keep his keep his garden tended. But like they had never added another Grim Reaper, so he's always out like. Literally going, okay, you're done, you're done, you're done. Sort of like well, supermarket he's got a scanning. Fucking, he's got a fucking scythe, which is used for generally, like, cutting large swaths of grass. Is it that it's built up so much that he's literally using the scythe like you would to cut grass, but it's to take these souls? So, he's just like, ten more souls. Like, he's literally using his scythe like a scythe now. Yeah. Um, and that's his gardening is essentially clearing this space of fucking all these pesky human souls um, that are gathering around waiting to be to be sent on to wherever they go next. And Ooh. he's just trying to grow some fucking lettuce. Yeah. And, and basically I, I can see like the in between each level, you know, or each each sort of mission that he goes on you know he sort of takes a little bit of time off and he gets to look after his garden but he gets like a 10 minute time to look after his garden and then he's got to be back out there because a war's going on now so he's like cutting down both sides it doesn't really matter who he's cutting down but basically well i don't even know if it has to be i mean yeah i think there are just there are wars going on all the time and it's just like all right clear this area of souls because it's literally there's so much backlog that it's like it, 
by the time he gets back to one spot, like another hundred thousand people have died in that area because he's got to do the entire world and there's just so many people dying all the time. So, and, and yeah, I think I'm almost thinking you have to like put up fences around your garden to keep all the fucking souls out that haven't been reaped yet. Mm-hmm. Like basically human souls in this world are just pests. <laughs> Just like milling around, not really knowing okay, what to I, do. I, I love, I love the idea that you, you know, you you leave out like your your slug bait and all this sort of stuff, but it's just to keep the souls away from from yeah. like chewing the grass and you know, yeah, or just chomp- like trampling on stuff, trampling and, yeah. on stuff. And I'm picturing that all this all this stuff is like hamburgers. That's the bait, basically. Like, <laughs> you, you drag them away to, to other places. You know, you build up these little McDonald's or something like that. <laughs> That's basically yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm just kind of picturing them almost as this this force, or, or almost like the grass itself, right? Like, you have to continue mowing to keep the area clear. You just, you have to continue reaping souls to, to keep them back and to keep them from uh, encroaching. So, is this one of these things where you- Rather than um, the Grim Reaper actually going to say France and dealing with people in France, basically they all turn up in the um, in this world think, that yeah. is sort of like it's it's almost like you know the um, the in between whatever. Well, I think it's more that I think he is on Earth. I think souls are over time drawn to him, and there's literally just so many that. He doesn't need to travel more than, like, 100 metres from where he's he's holed up. Like, he's literally gone to the least populated place on Earth, so they have the furthest they need to travel, and still they're just constantly surrounding him and showing up endlessly, and he just does not have time to reap them all. So, yeah, he doesn't have to travel to reap these yeah. souls. He just goes out, it's like, yep, yeah, well, I need to- What's my quota for today? You know- oh, Seven. Oh, shit. <laughs> well, no, I think it's more like, you know, 7,000. Um but because he's literally taking down just like 10 at a time with each, you know, swap, like thing of his scythe. Um, it's like, all right, well, I need to do the the back paddock because I want to plant a crop there. So I'm going to clear out that area <laughs> and put up some fences to guide them around. And it's kind of like a 3D Stardew Valley, but with um, with yeah, clearing or, out souls. And- or I was almost picturing like a Viva Pinata or something or, yeah, like, may- and then maybe you do have some aspects of like- there are some souls that have different elements of stuff that you can use for your garden or something, or like they drop things when you find specific, more rare types of souls, or like people Ooh. who were particularly good or particularly bad in their lives, or something like that. But it, but it's all about getting rid of the shitty souls and making sure these good souls actually kind of make it onto your property. So when you kill them on your property, it drops mm. the it drops the nutrients into your garden. Whereas if you got if you got really bad people that are gonna you know, spoil yep. spoil your grass and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, that's that's got some- I do like that idea then, yes, of certain souls have different properties and it sort of shows just in the colour of them or like they have a certain little glowing light in them or something. And then you've got Yeah, techniques. I kind of see the aura. The aura of these souls is, is going to be different colours depending on- Yeah, you could do some cool visual effects. I was more picturing like almost a little just light pulsing inside them and the rest of them is sort of grey and-, and- and transparent, but you know, I'm just what, what seeing you like out? this mob, and and you know you're literally going through and just taking him down 10, 15, 20 at a time. Yeah, just mowing through it, trying to clear out the um. But I think then you can get things that like might attract a certain type of soul that you need, so that you can be like, okay, you know, it's been three days since I put up that lure for um, you know, souls of people who were into. Karate, I don't know, just <laughs> literally a random thing, um, because that's particularly good for my pumpkins. Yeah. So, <laughs> I've put the lure over there and I have to, like, le- I can lead them Ooh, to I've got a and shine. cut them down. <laughs> yeah. That's, <laughs> that's really fun. I know, there's just something uh, about, like, when, when you get the wave of murderers, like, because I'm picturing that they're, they're the more decayed- I think the the nicer someone was, the less decayed they were. And so, mm. you really get these really decayed, you know, slow-moving murderers that, or, you know, horrible people. 
But yeah. when they get in there, they really fuck shit up. Like, you've got to- but like, yeah, I think it's like, yeah, it's like salting the earth as they walk across it, basically. Like, you can't, you can't grow, you can't do things where they were killed. Yeah. Uh, or where they were reaped. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I just really love that idea of the Grim Reaper just literally having this endless supply of souls because he's the only one for all eternity and there's 8 billion people on the planet. Yeah. I mean, there's more people living today than what they've, what there has ever died. So, from what I've. Remember reading. Is that true? Jesus. Could be. All right. Anyway, uh, I think we'll leave it there tonight. So, thank mm-hmm. you for joining us this week on BitStorm. If you want to find us online, shoot us a review. We'd really uh, appreciate any feedback you've got. Go to podchaser.com slash BitStorm to do that. And, uh, yeah, shoot us a note. We'd like to thank Kuridas for the use of the song Mount to find stuff for the album Containment Failure. That's right. So thank you again for joining us this week on Bitstorm. I'm Ben Slinger. I'm Trevor Scott. And yo ho ho and a belt and a bottle of rum. I'm Santa Claus, and I've come for your mum. <laughs> <laughs>